0: Okay, so my name is Michaela Young. I'm a PhD student at Montana State University. And I, um, in my PhD program, I'm interested in dams in communities and how communities respond to dams, um, and in particular water allocation. And so it's a little bit um, humanistic social science. There's a little bit of both. So you'll probably feel a little bit of that in my presentation. Um, This particular study again, uh, like these other projects, came about through Dr. Molly Todd's class. Um, But I had sort of an unfortunate incident. Um, I was finishing up some of my uh, final uh, transcribing my interviews uh, for the class and then I went out on a trail run one day like I usually do and I was sort of stuck in my head like I always am and I caught my foot on a root and took a huge spill downhill and uh, I felt like, you know, I knocked the wind out of myself, but I got back up, you know, kind of looked around like, I Did not see that, and uh, I didn't think anyone saw it, so I just kept going, and the closer I got to my truck, the more it hurt, and I was a little foggy, and so it turns out I actually had broken a rib and given Mm -hmm. myself a mild concussion, and uh, was not quite able to finish the study, and then I had a a meeting set up with one of my primary narrators, uh, Dorothy Bradley, I, you, a lot of you probably know who she who she is, and uh, so I set this meeting up. And kind of in my my haze, uh, my son I have a four and a half year old son. had said in the morning, "Mom, do we are, is today school day?" And I was like, "No, we have nothing today." And it was the day of the meeting, and it was school and work and all these things. Oh, so. So, so with all of that, I decided, um, you know, it would probably be good to stretch this out. And so I turned it into an independent study under uh, Dr. Todd again and Dr. Rydell of the History Department. And I took a lot more time with my narrators. I conducted additional interviews. I pulled in some additional people who I hadn't initially anticipated on including. And it ended up really being a blessing because, I, again, I got to spend more time with them, get to know them, you know, spent hours sitting in their kitchens. It was really wonderful. So I'm sort of grateful for, for that incident. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, in, in this particular investigation, I was interested in the MSU Water Center. So the university system has a water center. And a lot of people are pretty foggy about what that is, what they do. Some people have even said, we have a water center? Um, And so I wanted to dig into its past and find out, you know, because I've heard some great things about it. I knew Dorothy Bradley was associated with it, and so I wanted to find out, you know, what is this center? What was its past? Where is it now? Um, I was a bit dismayed um, to find that it had a it had a pretty big high arch. It flew high for quite a while under Dorothy Bradley's tenure, Ten, and then um, some sort of budgetary changes, institutional changes, had led to sort of a decline, and that's where it kind of is settled at this point. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that history. And um, unlike uh, Jimmy, I tend to have a kitchen sink approach, and I went. Oh, PowerPoint slides, boom. So lots of, lots of slides and some of them I'm going to probably gloss and uh, we can talk about it later if you want to find me in the hall or something. So the process for this was very similar to the other projects. Um, it entailed conducting a literature review, reading up about the, the center, its origins, uh, reading about my narrators and their biographies developing the survey instruments, the questions that I was gonna ask them. Actually conducting the interviews, transcribing them, and then analyzing them um, with a couple different frameworks. So I was fairly open framework-wise. But, and then now dissemination, so talking about it. And um, it is a fairly complex subject. I'm still digging through a lot of things. So um, yeah, it's a a process. So, uh uh-oh. Uh, These folks are my narrators. Uh, I talked with uh, Marvin Miller. He was the associate director of the center for uh, 33 years. He started out under uh, Professor Duncan Patton um, Who uh, retired Dorothy Bradley uh, was among or is still uh, involved in Montana politics um, and took over the helm after uh, Duncan departed for some other ventures and she served for seven years uh, Dr. Gretchen Rupp uh, then took the helm. Uh, she's the president of the American Water Resources Association, and she also teaches water science. She's a water scientist as well as an engineer. Wyatt Cross is the current director of the center. I spoke with him. He's a professor of ecology. See um, here. I also oh sorry about that. Um, I also spoke with. Um, Earl Green, he is the, the, the federal contact uh, for the Water Center. It's a federal-state cooper- cooperative. He's the chief of external research at the U.S. Geological Survey. Joe Gutkowski, uh, he's the director of Montana River Alliance. He's sort of a, a local rabble-rouser. Some of you might know who he is. He's been a, a quite an activist for bison and, and water and... He's become a pretty good friend. I really appreciate. Well, I, all of these folks are wonderful. Uh, John Lafave. He's a senior research hydrogeologist at Montana Bureau of Mines and Geology. I spoke with him as well. So, uh, after analyzing the narratives and sort of reflecting on our conversations, there were a few themes I noted in the na- in the various narratives and. Um, Uh, sort of what the consensus was after asking the questions. Uh, The first one was that they all agreed that the center was intended to be the primary problem solving unit in the state. So in regards to water, if there is a problem, this is the unit to deal with it. There are a variety of agencies in the state um, that many people get confused. The DNRC, the Bureau of Mines, um, DEQ, etc. But this is really intended to be, you know, if there's a water problem, this is the group to tackle it by bringing these agencies in. The downside of problems, (laughs) when you're you're approaching problems, usually when you're looking to find out how to fix the problem, you have to find a cause. And sometimes that means identifying certain people or things that don't necessarily want to be identified. So that has been an issue and we'll kind of talk about that in a moment. Um, Another thing that uh, was agreed upon was that the center has just sort of, has this less-than-ideal positionality. Um, There are 54 centers in the nation, and they're all sort of placed within different sort of organizational arrangements. They're all at universities, typically land-grant universities. Um, But... You know, and they can either fall under College of Agriculture, College of Engineering, or within upper administration. Um, all of the narrators sort of saw the center as kind of an organizational outlier, that it really didn't have an ideal position within the system, and that this was an issue um, that that they really had to reconcile over time. Um, another uh, point of agreement was that, um, the center had amazing potential. It had demonstrated its potential. It had great international reach and regional reach at times um, and that if they could really meaningfully engage the agricultural enterprise and the state that they really could could meet their potential to be that problem-solving unit. Um, this is what is really interesting to me in my research um, in that I think um, the center in their work with the different agencies, the public, the state, the, the feds, um, they really created this kind of democratized version of water resource management, um, which is a little unusual. Usually it's very top-down, or they're sort of the powers that be that make decisions, but they managed to create this really kind of thriving, um, again, democratized version of managing water. Um, and uh, But unfortunately, again, when you have a big group of people that are looking at problems, it tends to kind of, they kind of created almost like a political object out of themselves, an identifiable political object, which became subject to scrutiny. Um, But we can look at their communities later, which are really interesting. Um, And then part of their mission um, that was initially laid out in the, um, the act that led to the centers was this creation of a whole new generation of scientists and and scholars that are focused on water issues. Um, And they successfully pulled this off. And a number of the students who have been affiliated with the center over the years are now uh, prominent water professionals uh, in the state. And some have moved on, but anyhow. um, So just a quick overview. I'm not sure how many of you have been on the MSU campus. A few, yeah, <laughs> guys. Um, so, so it's really interesting. I, yeah, I love these, but they're these really cool little Monopoly. We call them the Monopoly houses, and they're, I think they're World War II era. They built them. I think they're initially designed for, uh, fam- like service families, families in the service, and they're, you know, I think they're two bedrooms, very small you know they're just sort of patterned one after the other Um, and now i think the family graduate housing is there so the graduates with families live there now but some of the programs on campus are also situated in these places and this is now where the montana water center is is in one of these small monopoly houses so When I was when I I was first coming into the PhD program, I heard about this Water Center, and I'm thinking this is going to be great. I'm going to walk into this huge building. I'm going to be greeted by a secretary, offered a tea or something big, you know. I'm like, where's the center at? Where is it, you know? So I meet with this uh, so that oh, well, you got to go to Culbertson Hall, and so because the parts of the center are kind of they have different programs within the center. So I go to this. Culbertson Hall, which is this kind of god-awful pink building, and I, I meet with this woman, and I'm like, the center, this is the center, right? And she just sort of like, oh, I'm really busy, and, you know, and, and uh, so we had this conversation, and she basically said, you know, we don't advocate for water, we don't advocate for any one position over the other, um, and then we started to have a conversation about, well, you know, what about this, or what about that, and she said, No. We're not talking about that. My boss doesn't want to talk about that. We're not going there. It was a very, you could tell there was a silencing effect. Um, and uh, so I was sort of, you know, I walked away disappointed, but then curious, like, what's going on with this? We should have, this is Montana. We're Headwater State. We should have, a, like, a mansion. No. Um, anyway, so we have a Monopoly House. Um, and then at one point, they actually did allocate... An aquatic sciences laboratory to address the whirling disease initiative. So there were a few sort of uh, lab-spaced boons along the way. Um, And then just as an overview, again um, there are uh, 54 of these water centers that are distributed throughout the states, typically again land-grant universities and in the territories. Uh, Bozeman happens to be uh, the place where they chose to put the center primarily because of the land-grant university. Okay, so just a quick overview of what the water center is and is intended to be. Um, so they are a product of this Water, Res- water Resources Research Act of 1964. Um, it's a federal state cooperative. Um, and the state of Montana played a very big role in initiating these, center, these centers. So some of you are familiar with Mike Mansfield, Democrat in Montana. Um, there was, it was during the period of the 60s, there was this kind of prolonged period of drought. There were a number of floods um, and dams breaking and all of these kind of water-related problems. And so the public put pressure on Mansfield and said, we need to do something to address our water problems. The agricultural economy took a big hit, I think to the tune of about 10 million, and they said, all right, we need, we need to address this. So, um, and one way they thought to address it was to create these research centers that could look into the problem, actually come up with, um, a technical solution, a human solution or otherwise. Um, and so, um, Mansfield well, we'll kind of get into it more, but, but he really led the charge to develop these centers and went about the whole process of taking this to Congress, really pushing it up all the way to the presidential level until it was eventually um, signed into this research act. Um, and then the Montana Water Center itself in particular, again, it's located at Bozeman, but it is representative of the, re- representative of the MSU system which includes Billings, Missoula, et cetera. So there's a lot of back and forth between these um, different universities, they work together. Um, What I found that was interesting was in trying to research the history of it, there have been a number of name changes over time, changes in where it's located, which makes it sort of hard to follow. And that has a lot to do with that positionality, sort of getting kicked down the, you know, kind of kicked like a can down the road when somebody's priority didn't align with the center. Um, and I was mentioning this earlier. So uh, this was uh, this was like the early 1960s. Some of you probably know about this event. The Swift and Two Medicine dams uh, broke because of an unusual summer storm. And this was uh, basically... Uh, north of Great Falls, primarily located on the Blackfeet Indian Reservation. So this event killed 32 people and damaged millions of dollars in property. Uh, Primarily the ones who lost their lives were Blackfeet Indians, mostly children, elderly people. Um, And then again, the, the droughts. The droughts that were happening at the time took a big hit on the economy. Um, and so this was about the time that this act happened and they this was this uh, Water uh, Research res- or Water Resources Research Act that came into play because of these events. Okay, and so looking into why the center matters. Um, why does it matter to have a water center? Well, again, Montana is unique. We have um, we are essentially the crown of a continent. We're a headwater state Um, We have this uh, industrial legacy that's left us with a lot of problems to deal with. Um, Our ecologies have been irreversibly altered by infrastructure and development. We have over 800 dams in the state, which is very complex technologically and in our ecologies. Uh, Montana's continuing to change population dynamics wise as well as our climatic conditions as we've seen over the last few years. Um, And our economy is dependent on water um, for agriculture. And so this is just, I'm just going to kind of blip over this. Um, Again, we're, you know, we're really kind of beholden to these downriver states to be good stewards of water. Um, There are a number of tribes and other states that are dependent um, upon this is the Missouri River. um, And basically anything that we do goes downriver. These are our unfortunate... uh, Superfund sites that um, we're managing. We actually have 19 in the state. I actually saw a smelter right down the road. But, but anyhow, I mean, these kinds of problems require technical expertise and research to figure out, okay, if we're a Downriver State and we have 19 Superfund sites, what does that mean for these communities who could be disproportionately affected? So we need people to research this stuff. This is important. These are the dams in Montana. Uh, we think of Montana as pristine, untouched. Okay, Barry's cueing me here, but um, 800 dams. You can see the kind of scope. So th- we have this kind of scenario of technical ecological complexity that again requires experts. You know, we can't just have operators out there um, trying to figure this out. So we have a need, we have a need for research. Um, and then I'll just cu- cover this last slide and then Barry's kicking me out. But um, Montana continues to change. I think our, our population is projected to increase 20% over the next five or 10 years or so. Um, the counties around Yellowstone are some of the fastest growing in the nation. Again, need for understanding how these communities are going to affect the rivers and our economy. So uh, we're primarily an agricultural economy in the state. Um, 67% of our water goes towards agriculture, and so you can see the kind of linkages and the need. Thank you.